I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably be lost for words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words Betting Podcast. I'm joined by Jason Daniels. Jason, hi. Good evening, Tom. How are you? Yeah, really well, thanks, mate. Yourself? Yeah, marvellous. Good. That's what we love to hear. Um, golf last week. You were on Tom Kim in the end? Yeah, I mean, it was on the article in um, on Victor. It was, it was, like, I just thought if you laid out 10 points yeah. in the tournament, then it was worth having a point on Tom Kim, I thought. But, you know, the house money on Twitter doesn't think you should better than prices. Um, but given what he's been doing and given that he's still doing it, um, and of course, suits him down the ground and there's no Cantley. Yeah, I just thought you had to be on in some way. And I mean, I, you know, it, it was one of them when it, um, Hoagie was better First. than it actually looked. Well, it was better than it looked actually, as Rob Shaw will talk about in about 10 minutes' time. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I put Putnam in front of JC Poston. Um, that's cruel. I'm surprised by that. You do like JC Poston, don't you? I love a bit of Poston. I actually did back him in running um, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. But in the end, um, yeah, look, any look, the three people that read the article, the only other two that were mentioned were Adam Hadwin and JC Poston outside okay. of the bet. So it's one of them where you read it right, but you just don't put the right things down. And yeah, over I, the other gaff, yeah, over the other gaff, it was only um, it was only Ferguson top ten that was any use. But look, Tom King, brilliant, isn't he? Yeah, no class. Uh, very, very good career already, and he's still what twenty one years old. So um, he wins. That's the difference. It doesn't yeah. matter. He wins, and and you know, like we've always discussed, any of them can shoot sixty two on any given day. Yeah. But he wins. He knows how to do it. He does the job. Poston really played magnificently. And um, yeah, I, I, he's he's got to another level as well himself, hasn't he? Over well, I had, had a discussion with Andy Lack last week, and I don't think when it's all said and done, maybe the major won't be there, probably won't be there. But like, he's basically Webb Simpson. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> like in terms of winning ability now, and like if he gets to the Players Championship, that'd be a big win for him and that sort of stuff. But like. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility that he just steals a random major as well. Like, he's a he's a good player. He's just good at what he does, isn't he? So uh, I couldn't say that because I just think conditions are not for him. But no. Yeah, I, I think uh, look, we've always said it. We were on Poston last year at John Deere and on various other times as well. And, uh, yeah, I agree. It's it's exactly the same. Yeah, in the old days, you could put Berger, Simpson and uh, Kevin Kisner together. Yeah. And I think Tracy yeah. Poston fits in. Absolutely perfectly in that lot. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I was pretty much single bullets by the weekend. Uh, Grant Forrest was, I think, four or five back um, going into the weekend. And Sam Ryder, similar position. Both of them just absolutely dog shit uh, over the weekend. And that was it. It was last week, wasn't it, Grant Forrest? Uh, yeah. On the Sunday, yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm taking a break from Grant Forrest because uh, that's two weeks in a row now. Um, I'm starting to learn my lesson. Seems to be Scottish golfers seem to hurt me the most at the moment. I don't know if it's a, a real thing or just something in my head, but well, uh, I, I did listen to last week's podcast and, and mm. you were talking about Scottish golfers and Brad said, "Oh, it'd be typical Callum Hill wins." And he, there was yeah. day one. I thought, "Oh yeah, go on, that is hilarious." <laughs> we literally picked about five Scottish players between us and didn't pick him. I thought, "Oh fuck, maybe that's gonna it's gonna happen." But um, there we go. We live and learn. Um, what, maybe... what was sorry? What was I tried to interrupt Tom, but you know, I, I do it every week. We used to. <laughs> Um, it was was the bizarre sequence at um, uh, blah blah blah. I can't remember what that he was now. Um, John Rahm winning, then the person who beat Bradford Cabrera Bello goes and wins the next year. John Rahm wins the next year, beating um, Matthew Pavon, and, and Pavon wins this year. We've been on Pavon numerous times, I mean, yeah. you know, and I mean, he was like just outstanding. But they can all do it, they can all do it. It's just getting it the time right. And that's the thing that like, I think I saw maybe it was last week, maybe it's a week before, like it definitely wasn't a week before I was away, but like last couple of podcasts I've sort of said like I'm slowly learning to forgive these people that haven't won yet, hoping that they can just find it eventually. Um and one of the people I'll come on to in this will be of a similar vein and I'll point it out then, but 
Pavon has been there, isn't he? He's hit the bar a couple of times now and, and looked okay when he's hit the bar, but not quite done it. Um, and then he goes and wins by four, shooting 64 on the final day. Like it's, it's, you know, it, it does just happen. And he's only 30 years old. There's no reason why he can't go and do it three or four more times. And suddenly he's a four-time winner on the TP World Tour. It's, I mean, I don't know if that happens. I don't deal with those kind of certainties, but it's, it's amazing how comfortable some of them make it look when they've made it look hard in the past. There's a few. There's a lot of them this week that, mm. that might end up being forgotten. Um, and when they do win, you'll go, how the hell was he X price? Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, there we are. It, I mean, I think last week suited um, longer drivers better than this week's might, but, you know, we don't know, as we discussed before. Yeah. Let's go into let's go into the top of the market. So randomly we've got Wyndham Clark here at eleven to one. Uh Ryan Fox twelve to one, Adrian Moronk twenty to one, Jordan Smith twenty-two to one, Alexander Bjork twenty-five to one. Um Clark and Fox in a price of their own. I think Fox rightly so, like he's playing incredibly well and, and got that another win recently. I don't know what to make of Wyndham Clark, like he wasn't great at the Ryder Cup, was he? But he was playing well before that. So very hard, I think, to to understand where they kind of stand in the market. Um, was there anyone of any sort of temptation for you in the 25 to 1 and shorter mark? No, I mean, I, I did I did various things with driving accuracy, uh, strokes gained approach, and around the green, stroke scrambling. Uh, four players landed in the, those three columns and a few in the twos. Uh, but the four players um, included Bjork, but there's no way I'm backing him at that <laughs> over, over somebody else at. 10 points bigger that is a proven winner yeah no fair enough um we'll come on to brad's is the first selection who's obviously not here to speak for himself but rasmus hoygaard uh is 28 to 1 is his first selection um i'm sure he's written lots of words about it on his uh patreon we haven't had a good chance to catch up with him today but he's shown plenty form recently uh fourth for the open to france again 25th uh, dunhill links finishing strong um, so I can only imagine he's just going by recent form and the fact that he's a decent winner. So um absolutely understand why someone would be on Rasmus Hoygaard. I can't get to that part of the market yet, but I think it's just it's a bit of a weird event because it's got like these kind of two top players in Clark and Fox. Then you've got a kind of next tier, I guess. Um, and then it's I'm just not sure. I'm, sorry, mate. I mean, I'm not sure you'd necessarily say this was for them. Given that, yeah. given that there, there are an amount of long hitters that have played well at Valderrama, which yeah. is potentially the most obvious link for this. Well, I suppose that, let's let's chat about the course very quickly. Like it is on the same property as Valderrama, right? So that's that's the kind of link to it. I think I think the kind of way I looked at it is I didn't want to dive too much into a course I didn't know too much about. You obviously flagged me earlier. It's Robert Trent Jones, um, and just just the fact that it's close to Valderrama just the fact that they played in Spain last week like I would like someone that was kind of there or thereabouts but wasn't one of the top two I guess well I might contradict that in a minute but yeah like I wouldn't want someone in the heat of the battle I guess yeah um by all accounts uh, it is a, a, a twisty course it is not easy there are some greens that are are built sideways, uh, a couple that are built into the hills or the natural topography, as they like to say, on these mm. review sites. Um, so the approaches are really, really vital here. So, uh, yeah, I think I think being reasonably informed. Um, the one thing I did do, and you can delete this if this isn't actually accurate, right? <laughs> is I believe the course holds or held the European Nations Cup, and individual winners include Todd Clements. Second in 2016 was Romain Longasque, 2014 Guido, and 2013 Adrian Sadier. Now, obviously, that's going to be set up differently from today. But um, very interestingly, all, all, all those are obviously winners on this tour. Yeah. And an awful lot of them um, contain the same sort of um, tracks. So as you would expect from a Valderrama-type course, Portugal, Kenya, Denmark, Switzerland, all appear in all of these. Um, so I thought that was some sort of idea um, as to as to which way we might look. It, I mean, it's pretty obvious anyway, because they're the courses that you'd look at if you if this was Valderrama, RIP. Um, <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, so so that was that was my idea, and that's why I went with the columns that I did. And and hey ho, you know, there's there's four in the in the top lot, which I can only back one of them, and there's a few in the second lot, of which you can't back quite a few of them. <laughs> but there we are. It's it's actually when you look at this uh, European Nations Cup, which well done for pulling this one out because I've literally never heard of the tournament in my life. One, it was called the Cherry Cup, which is great. Um, Sergio Garcia won it in 1997-98. Roger Harrington in 1991. Gary home multiple times. Uh, Francesca Molinari once. It's good. Identifier of talent. Roy McIlroy, Shane Lowry, Nino Batasio beating Tommy Fleetwood, Julian Brune, uh, John Rahm losing to Robin Kind in a in a shocker. Um, Adrian Sadie, Guido, and then, as you say, Clements. So, yeah, I mean, look, having experience of a golf course that others haven't is always going to be a bonus. As you say, it's not going to play like it did, but we don't know what it's going to play like either. So, um, yeah, nice to know that. Good ad- good addition to that. So if you're looking for it on Wikipedia, European Nations Cup, Copper Sotto Grande, also known as the Sherry Cup, which I wonder if they won a bottle of sherry if they won the tournament. That would have been class. Um, what's, what's actually more interesting is what you actually said there. Is that's more interesting than what's happened, is what could happen. <clears> so we may well be were looking at the last two winners for, you know, I don't know, challenge tour wins next year or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. But they're, 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 they're like you, all the people you've mentioned or whatever, all proven winners on this tour. Well, um, the, the 2023 so. runner up was John Goff, who was one of the Ryder Cup, uh, all Cup players, wasn't he? Um, and then played yeah. in Ireland. So it should be a, a decent identifier talent. And yeah, I mean, Rasmus Niergaard Peterson, hasn't he been playing pretty well recently? I think he's the one that has done well on the. Deep World Tour limited start, so there we go. There's a million Danish players doing well. So um, yeah, it looks like a good identifier of talent, if nothing else. But uh, your first selection, Jason, is available at 40 to one with six places or 33 to one with eight places. Are you going to take that extra couple of places and go 33? Uh, I, I have taken 33. Yeah. Um, I mean, about the wise, I think you win. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I mean, Long uh, Aiden Longask was just glossed over um yeah. i had him quite high up here and um he's got everything that you want to be honest with you and I'd, i've written over the weekend just show something but he's shown far too much and so therefore i've gone adrian otegi yeah um i think it's obvious we were on him last year when this was held at valderama um i, I think the, the, the case for him is is reasonably obvious i pretty i know he's not putting in the sort of top tens that um alexander bjork is yeah, but you know this is a proven regular winner who's won at this type of course, you know, 12 months ago. Anyway, blah blah blah. Um, over the last three months, he ranks give or take top five in uh, driving accuracy, top ten in strokes gained approach. He's very high up in around the green as well. Um, now you can make your around the green or scramble, you know, do whatever you want. Hmm. Um, this year, second to Pablo at the KLM works lovely on a tight track. Third at Denmark, fifth in Qatar. Um, Tita Green, um, he's fine shots at Crans, Gal Gorm, Golf National. Um, he found them last week as well. Um, comes to a perfect track. He repeats form if we want to consider this as a Valderrama type environment. Um, last year, he was 13th at Wentworth, I believe, 25th in Italy, 13th in France, missed the cut of the Alpha Dunhill and then won here. This year, he's been 45th in Italy, but was second at halfway. 16th in France, 10th at halfway. Again, missed the cut of the Alpha Dunhill and comes here. In between, he's 7th at halfway in the uh, Open at Hoylake, 4th uh, at Galgorm. Um, and last week, he's top 15 going into Sunday. Um, wins on a very similar track by six here last year. I know he was just unbelievable last year, and he, I doubt he's going to um, raise the bar to that effect. But it looks a very, very similar running. Um, and yeah, Spain and, and Spanish and their home contingent do very, very well in their home events. Um, and there we are. Why not? Yeah, three rounds he was going well uh, last week 69, 68, 67. Then just, you know, just didn't do it on the final day, which is sometimes done, but kept his price out, as we sort of referenced there. Like it's a uh, so very steady, steady goal for him in many respects and what he's done. But as you say, broke through with the wins. That others haven't done so far so when I you think, look at yeah so i think accuracy is going to be very crucial and greens and red round here is crucial and he fits uh and ultimately like 12 17th and first 
in this event, regardless of whether it's a different golf course or not, uh, is a pretty good uh, CV, isn't it? So um, absolutely love that. I have gone with Nathan Kimsey for my first selection at 45 to 1. I think this is someone I'm going to get stuck on for a little bit. Um, we shall see. Maybe it'll take a Grant Forrest approach at some point soon. But he's just he's just been really, really solid. I mean, he obviously had that disappointment of not winning on the PGA Tour um, after coming back from an injury. He played so well, and he 10th at the Himalayan and finished uh, second at the Barbasol in a playoff to uh, Vincent Norman. Backed up with 25th at the Barracuda. So he's played nicely on the PGA Tour. Many people looking to see how he's going to play when he comes back to the DP World Tour, finishes 31st and 57th, nothing too special. But then 28th for Wentworth, where he was 8th going into the final round, 14th for uh, the French Open, where he was 66th final round, and then last week, 3rd again. Like, he's just he's just been incredibly solid. We're talking about accurate types. He's definitely one of those. Uh, 20th over the last couple of months in strokes gain approach. Um, and 9th and 18th the last two starts in that respect he just strikes me as someone that looks fit to win um, you know basically and 18th and 6th in tees green overall the last couple of weeks I don't know what else he would need to do to impress me so I'm going to go with uh, Nathan Kimsey at 45 to 1 I think there's a load in this sort of price range an yeah. absolute load that this course is, is looks to be bang on for yeah, it's tough. Like, I mean, if, if Pavon hadn't won last week, you'd probably be interested in him. I I looked at Daniel Hillier um, just because of how he finished last week, but didn't get there um, either. But we'll come on to your second selection, Jace. We're talking about Scottish golfers. This is one that you're uh, fairly fond of. I think it's probably the <laughs> For the 78th time this year. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, uh, 45 to 1 with eight places or 55 to 1 with five places if you're really brave. Um, you and Fergus? You and Ferguson, yeah, I mean, it's getting boring, isn't it? But um, yeah, every time he does something and you look and you go, he's really showing it again. And you just can't help thinking. Yeah, I, I think given, and, and we, okay, it may be spurious links, but I think, it, it you know, those Nations Cup players yeah. sort of run across enough years for us to know what type of player suits here, you know. Um, and there we are, you know, Kenya, obviously he should have won his maiden at Kenya, was clear on the Sunday, nerves got to him. Came again at Qatar in really, really difficult conditions. Was the best player on the Sunday. Himaland, um, he only got beat to Ollie Wilson. We say this all the time. I don't really <laughs> want to repeat it, but only got beat by an Ollie Wilson patting masterclass. Uh, won at Gal Gorm. Um, and I was just waiting. I mean, I can't believe he hasn't won this year, I have to be honest. I think he's plenty good enough to, to have won, you know, one of these average events this year. Um, but again, he showed up last week in Spain. Uh, not the first time he's shown in Spain. He's got some really, really good form. Um, even when you go back on the Challenge Tour, he had six outings in um, in this country uh, and finished second, 11th, 13th, 15th. Um, he's got ninth in Mallorca 2022, um, which I think is what it calls, isn't it? Was that, um, Jeff Winters? Yep. It might be. Yeah, Jeff Winters one. Um, and uh, yeah, as I say, he showed well last week. He's, again, driving actually, I think, is going to be important here. I don't think you want to get particularly... Um, off because I think you can really attack the pins if you're if you're off with your drives. He was eighth for driving actually in Spain. He's already led the field in France and at the K Club. Uh, it works for me perfectly. Greens in reg, very very high up in greens in reg as as usual, um, which therefore leads obviously to the approaches um, to the green. So um, Ferguson's a proven winner. He's a proven winner in the right environment. If he'd have won at Kenya and at Himalayan, he'd have four wins in four very, very uh, relevant um, courses. And uh, I'm, I, look, if they want to keep putting Ferguson up at 40 and 45 in this sort of grade, and I understand you've obviously got the US Open winner in here, um, who on class is different grade, but you can't possibly back him um, yeah. over here. Um, yeah, if you want to keep putting him up at 40 and 45 to one, then, then I'm, I'm going to be on every single bloody week. And then yeah. when he wins, I'll only be losing no, 200 quid. It's, it's all about just covering your losses at this point. No, there's a reason for perseverance with, with Ferguson. I think he's showing it. Um, you know, I think people got pretty excited about him middle of you know last year and maybe start this year, and and rightly so. Like he, he's definitely showing it in in the heat at the moment, and he's just got to get back into that heat. Um, 
I don't think he's shied away from anything since then. He's just he's just not quite managed to get there, and it'd be interesting to see how he copes again once he does. So hopefully that comes this week. You might as well go into your next selection as well, Chase, just to keep you talking. Um, yeah, I was, I was, um, I was, yeah, I was up and down with Zanotti. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was up and down with him, but I mean, my guy, he's, he's, you know, Tia Green play. It continues to be absolutely incredible. He's, but we know he doesn't finish it off as most of these people do, um, and we know why because he's crap when he gets there. <laughs> um, you know, at the end of the day, but I, I and I was, I, I genuinely was um, unsure about about whether to put him in at the price. Um, I'm still unsure whether to put him in the price. To be perfectly honest with you, um, but I have done, and it, it's fairly obvious to, to everybody. 63 games standing, you know, he's been top 10 uh, um, crowns, which is great. Top 10 even at the um, links. Well, I'm not sure. Obviously, that was only across one course, so I'm not sure what we can we can gain from that. Um, and then he was fourth last week. Um, off a fantastic uh, uh, seven strokes gained with his irons. Um, he is what he is, and not he does what he does, and he'll continue to do it, as will one of my top 20 ones later. Um, it's a concern he hasn't won since 2017 Maybank. Um, but again, the fact that this year he can go uh, 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 top 25 at Crans, finishing yeah. with a 64, following the Czech thing, which I'm surprised because I wouldn't have put him particularly high up at. Um, the Jet Masters, given its uh, prevalence to bombers, and then last year again, he's got. He went on a little run of um, Crane's top six, uh, tied sixteenth, Himalayan tied twelve, uh, Wentworth tied thirteenth. Um, so when he finds form, he does tend to put a little bit of a run in. Um, tied eighth, the Belfry works fine in terms of tree lined as well. He's got twenty six and fourth at Valderrama, and he comes off that as as we said, he comes off that fourth last week. Where he finishes uh, with a 64. Don't know. This is this is his gap. I, I think he'll have to fall over the line to win, or, or you know, put one in, put a 62 in final round, and just watch everybody try and get him. Yeah. But there's a, equally at seven places, six places, there is a little bit of each way value. It's, it's very similar to the type of, you know, Richie Ramsey type player. Um, I, I just he keeps catching my eyes or not. He I was on last year as well. Um, at Valderrama, and I don't really see any reason why I wouldn't be on this year as well. It's uh, it's a difficult one. Like I said, the shortlist with Guido Longas, Julian Brunnen, and Marcus Helikild. Do you know Helikild's going to be the Matthew Pavon? Everyone's going to forget about him, and then he's going to win. Uh, I think he's got a massive chance this week, but I just couldn't put so many people in at the same sort of price. So, uh, yeah, Zanotti so was a tough one for me. Like I just, I just hover over him. I look at all the stats. Everything lines up. He plays great in Spain. He's hitting the ball incredibly well. He's on this great run. And then I just think he's going to finish ninth, and I just, just leave it alone. Um, he won't be short of a few pops, Zanotti, will he? He does this. He does. He does have a few uh, years where he just puts well, a few weeks. Sorry, where he puts the events together in a year and. And that's it. Um, yeah, say, sorry. 2017. So I, th- I think when when you look at these players, I mean, when we I talk about giving players a chance because they've not won for the first time, and we talk about our Pavon suddenly, you know, what what's he going to do from here? I don't know. But like, I think with like someone like Fabrizio, obviously, you know, they're you know got a career of not really winning. I mean, he's won twice, isn't he? Since at the age of 40, so you can you can kind of identify what he is, but. When he has won, like he's beaten Henrik Stenson, Rafa Cabrera and Gregory Havre in a playoff and then beaten David Lipsky. Both of them look decent in reflection. So it's not it's not like he's incapable of doing it. It's just it's just very infrequent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean it is because he was a few points bigger than Heli Kilder. So yeah. I'm beginning to think I should put Heli Kilder in, but I'll yeah. think about that. I think I think Hadi Kilder is one of those ones where like as you say, it will look very much like a like a Pavon, like when he finally gets there and gets over the line, everyone will be really shocked you weren't on him or whatever. It'd be something like, like Richard Mansell do something like that. They'll go in by three or four and then you will go, well, what what happened? Like why weren't we on? Um my my player that I'm hoping is gonna do that and completely contradict the earlier point that I made about not wanting to back someone in the heat of the battle last week. Uh Xander Lombard. I just thought that 70 to 1 with eight places. I thought he was a little bit too big. He looks really impressive. Uh, Strokes going to approach second and 17th and 20th on tour tips last three weeks. 
tees green second 26th and 18th in that same period you look at his event form he's been 36th and 14th at valderrama and then you look at his spanish record and you've got seventh fourth uh, and second at the open de espanol obviously last week you've got just some middling finishes of like 45th 42nd 20th all of which had like good like when he was 45th in grand canary he was 16th and a halfway mark when he was 20th at the canary islands he was ninth after 54 holes he just for some reason loves playing this part of the world i think south africans do generally like um spain you've got about that mallorca open he was eighth after round one just keeps hanging around and it's been a sustained period of form really um i know a lot of it was just making cuts originally but he's gone 10th 54th and second his last two uh, last three starts and he was third at the halfway mark and 10th in france so last three starts 10th in france where he was third after the halfway mark 54th at dunhill links but he was actually fifth uh fourth after round one was 65 and then that all disruption and then last week 66 to open 65 64 weekend I just think that's too good of a form for a player at 80 to 1, um, or 70 to 1, sorry, of eight places. So I'm going with it against my better judgment. Again, he's a couple of years younger than Pavon, so why can't he be the one that breaks through like Pavon did last week? Yeah. I know you used to like Zander. You used to like Zander Lombard quite a bit, didn't you? Have you just given up on him? Uh, no, I think other South Africans came through. I think people like Jaden. Paper and um, yeah. Casey Jarvis and people like that, and have we given up on him? Yeah, I just I don't see him. I th- I see him as a bomber. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I could be wrong here, but I don't see this as a bomber's track. Yeah. No fair. Uh, completely get it. Um, second selection for Brad Dan Bradbury. Um, he's obviously playing, you know, strong golf. I think is is a fair thing to say. He's hitting the ball incredibly well. Um, I don't know what to make of him really. He was he's obviously a winner. He's he's won first time of asking. He led an approach last week. Um, doesn't he have three holding ones this season or something? I read, which is quite incredible. Which is probably why he keeps ranking first in strokes gain approach because you get a few few uh, points up, don't you, if you hold it the first time. Um, 13th and 6th in two starts recently in Spain, so you can absolutely see the case for Dan Bradbury. I went a slightly different way uh, in that respect, but I'll come back to that one. Um, Matty Schmid, for me, at 80-1, just feels like a player that we, we talk about these players coming back um, from the PGA Tour and, and just dropping down a little bit in class, and that's what Matty Schmid's doing this week. Um, I know, obviously, you just mentioned about the, the kind of bombing angle may not help, and that certainly doesn't help Matthew Schmidt's case. But I just think that the way he's he's playing at a better level uh, than this one is is encouraging. And we've, we've seen it. We've seen kind of Ryan Fox take another leap in his game. I know Schmidt's not that level yet because he hasn't been there before, but he was 15th after 54 holes at the Freedom Open, finished 20th. He was 22nd at the Wyndham, which involves kind of a bit more plodding around rather than kind of driving everywhere. Um, he was 24th at Crans, started with 66, open, uh, closed with a 65. And he was 26th last week at the Shriners, open with a 65, closed with a 63. Just think he's a birdie maker, Matthew Schmid, and I just think he's going to put himself in contention. 14th last week in strokes going approach, um, 19th in tees green. Just flagged to me, uh, Jason, on, on tour tips as someone that looks a little bit better than his form numbers suggest because it's a higher grade him marcus helikilda and vincent norman yeah to my eye both at exactly the same time yeah um schmidt and helikilda at the dutch i think a couple of years ago maybe whenever it was but yeah absolutely yeah you know they're gonna win um like you say i'm not sure personally this is the track for him but i get your argument 100 Absolutely. Next one for me. Um, let's just make sure I'm not skipping over someone here. I'm going to go with Daniel Brown. So that when I said about um, Brad going for Bradbury, I just kind of not put them in the same thing just because they're both called sort of Dan or whatever um, or got English names. But like it's 80 to 1, 90 to 1, 100 to 1 in some places about a player whose strokes going approach numbers have been absolutely incredible. 
10th, 57th, 10th, 7th, 62nd, 5th. He's first in this field in strokes getting approach over the last eight weeks. On tour tips, we go to T to green. He's 29th. He's got 25th, 9th in there as well. So he's off the tee stuff hasn't been quite as strong. Um, but I just I just like what he's doing. He's just been really steady. And since that win, he hasn't quite been able to put four rounds together. But you look last week, he was 57th, but he opened with a 67, closed with a 67. Um, I quite like that. It's a little bit of sort of hidden form there. Um for Brown and I just I just love the way he reacted like he won that ISPS handy you think okay well it's not a you know, it's not the strongest event but he did go wire to wire come straight back 14th for the Czech Masters makes every cut since then um not doing a lot in the Irish Open or the BMW but 67 opening at the Open de France 66 open at Dunhill Links and as I said uh, bookend 67s last week just feels like with his ball striking and his recent winning form that uh Daniel Brown could look pretty big at the end of the week, I think. He was 100-1 to 1 when I wrote all this down. He's 90-1 to 1 now um, in those sort of place turns, but I still think there's good value in that. Yep, he appeared in the second lot, which is about uh, 12, 14 players, something like that. So he was in the top 20 for me. Um, I've just left him out, but yeah, I, I, I'm not sure about Brown. I don't know what, what he is and, and where he is, but in terms of, you know, where, where he needs to be and what his game is, he, he fits. So, yeah, why not? And just what he's around in the market, I was quite fine with. Like, I just thought we could have been a little bit shorter than that. So, absolutely happy with that. Um, Brad's final selection um, for the outrights is Todd Clements. And that's someone you're going with in the top 20 market. So, I'll hand over to you on Todd Clements. He is oh, Brad will have more words to say. <laughs> I've got two top 20. I've got Todd Clements and Dodo Molinari. Both yeah. completely different. Dodo's pure, like look at his stats, he's based purely on Tita Green stuff. Um, it's absolutely incredible what he does. He's done it all his life. Um, he just can't, hasn't got a short game anymore, which he did use very, very well um, when he made the Ryder Cup team. Um, but anyway, um, so he's, he's fairly obvious. I think he can possibly out Tita Green the majority of this field and land a top 20. But Clements, yeah. But it just really, again, I'm going back to my nugget that probably might turn out to be a pile of old crap. <laughs> but I was just interested. I didn't think he particularly fitted in with the Longgrass Guido, Sadie um, and Garcia type of player. So it's quite interesting that he won, you know, and beat, uh, I think Matt Jordan was in, in the English team as well um, on that day. Um, I see him much more as a, as a Czech um, Masters player, which is a bit obvious because he won the Czech. <laughs> um, from absolutely, you know, from absolutely nowhere. I, I'd like to hear. What, I'd like to hear or, or read what Brad says. I, I don't mind him at all. I, I do think that it's potential that he could do something that he did in um, in either Crans or uh, Bernardus, where he finished seventy six in Holland, sorry Netherlands, and seventy four in Switzerland, um, having been better than than his final finish position. So just not sure he's got the right Tita Green game to go for. Having said that, he's not horrendous with his scrambling. Um, and I just thought, like you, you've done with Brown, he hasn't shown the same consistency as something like Brown. Yeah. But there is stuff there. And and he, he again had two 67s last week um, in Spain. I think he's somebody that's probably got to just tone down what he does and yeah. think a little bit more about it. Um but he just he did stick out. I mean, he, again, he he made the um, that column of two uh, two out of three columns that I've, I've concentrated on, and I just thought it was interesting that he was there, and it's a possibility he'll he'll adjust his game slightly um, on a course that he, he clearly will have fond memories of, and at the price, I think it's two hundred fifty is he or something. Yeah, you can get to about 200 now. Yeah, yeah 200. So, so whatever he is for a top 20, 7, 8 to 1, I'd imagine something like that. Um, you know, I'll wait for that market set up before I play. But he, he, he's he's one that I thought could just, just show a little bit more around, around the track that he obviously likes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Another one at the same price, who I don't know why, but opened up at 400 to 1 this morning. Um didn't get anywhere near that, but Alfredo Garcia Heredia is 200 to one still. He's finished uh, 10th for the Open to Portugal on the Challenge Tour, 
20th at the Open de France on the DP World Tour, sitting second after round 1, 12th after round 3, and then finished ninth last week um, in Spain, second round 64, puts in fourth after 36 holes, third after 54. And then you look at his kind of stats last week, sixth in strokes gain approach um, and 14th in tee to green. I was just quite impressed with that for someone that was 200 to 1. Like, it, it's all pretty solid. Um, and then you look at his Spain form, 6th and ninth in his last four starts in Spain, 12th as well in the Canary Islands, 33rd before that in Tenerife, where he's 7th after, uh, after 54 holes. Like, seems to play pretty well when he gets home, and he's playing well now. So as much as you have to kind of get over the shock of him going from 400 to 1 down to 150 on Bet365, I don't think the 400 to 1 was ever right. So... The 200 to one, I think, is still okay. It's in that in that same range of Molinari and Clemens that you just spoke about, I I like one of the uh, the home players in Garcia Heredia. Yeah, yeah. Be, sometimes he starts quite well, doesn't he? So, yeah, um, definitely one of some, some sort of angle, and he, he does. Yeah, he's even um, Sebastian. We've got Garcia Rodriguez anymore, is he? he is he's he just, a waste. Is he just Rodriguez. He just he just pops up, doesn't he? Now every yeah. so often he pops up. It's always in Spain. Um, that, like we, oh, well, like you said last week, so wasn't it? Um, <laughs> Spaniards just raise themselves. It's it's probably the most obvious connection, and we we don't get particularly French players doing the same, France, Italian doing the same in Italy, particularly. Um, but in Spain, you you just find they just, they, you know, you look at that uh, Spanish Open, you just it's remarkable. Yeah. You know, if John Rahm doesn't win it, then then Cabrera Bayo's beating um, Adrian Aus. Uh, it's just. They just raise themselves for it. So why not? Yep, absolutely. Let's uh, let's go on to the Zozo then and wrap through this 78-man field relatively quickly. Um, Xander Schoffele, 15-2 favourite, ahead of Colin Morikawa, 12-1, Sanjay M, 14-1, Ricky Fowler, 16-1, the same as Hideki Matsuyama, and then Minwoo Lee and Sahith Thagala at 20s. Um, can't argue with the favourite, but... I'm not going to be back in Xander Shuffle at seven and a half to one. Um, it's just not the sort of thing that I would do. Uh, if someone wants to do that, then absolutely fine. I think the closest one for me was Sung Jae Im, uh, just because I think that being freed up from that Asian Games win and having to have the military service is going to be massive for him. He nearly made it three wins from three starts in the Korean tour over the last couple of years. Lost in the playoff last week, so he's acclimated to the time zone, but I don't want to back Sanjay at 14 to 1 either. So I was less of a conundrum of a couple of players at the top that made plenty of sense, but didn't want to back them. I'm not going to back Sanjay am I, sir? No, no, absolutely not. Did you, any thoughts on any of those at the top? Like, do you think any of them are kind of, you'd have to take one over the other or just much for much? No, well, I, I don't want to back Sanjay I think Ricky's a terrible price. Um, yeah. Decky's interesting, obviously, back there. Um, no, not really. I mean, I mean, what I did notice, for, for if it's any use... Well, my joke, I'll carry on, because it's leads yeah. to the first. Let's go, anyway. let's go into yours. So, like, you, you and Brad have kind of led off at the next price tier. So, we'll get you kicking off with the person I looked at the most at the top of the market, which is Sahid Fagala at 20 to 1. Yeah, I mean, when you look at um, the field, and I, I was quite taken by the fact how much people improve after their debut... Yeah. So Brad, I don't want to go through the whole list, but fuck it. Right. Bradley 12-7-1, Damon 70-16, Ricky 44 second. Um, and on and on you can go, you know, even even those you never heard of. You know, um Murray Carr was 122 to 7. Um Naismith 48 to 9. And there's plenty more you could read out. Yeah. Uh, you just look down the damn thing on tour tips for um event history. So I was quite taken with that. And then when you look at um those that made their debut last year, obviously Sahith Gala. Uh, was one of them before he became um, a one and a half time winner. Um, <laughs> if you want to count that pairs competition, and and I had a look at it and I thought, well, okay, he's going to improve from that, so that's significant enough already. Um, and last year he went um, through the field over the tournament. He was forty first after the first round, thirty fourth, eighth, and then fifth. So that caught the eye as well. And then when you look at his form, it ties in so so well. Obviously, he's won the forty net. Um, he's had enough time after that, I hope. Um, you know, that it doesn't really matter. I don't think, you know, being so big in college, I'm not sure that... I mean, I know that his family come over and have a, like, a four-week party and that. Um, 
but hopefully he's got over that. But that Fortinet win um, links in very nicely with Decky, who was six at the Fortinet, and with Ricky Fowler. Um, uh, Simonson Farms, uh, 2021, he led to the running uh, at the Simonson Farms, and we all thought he was going to win. He finished tied eighth there. You want Simonson Farms thing. Bradley was tied fifth at the Sanderson Farms. Uh, where are we? Uh, Steele, who was second to Decky, was 17th at the Sanderson Farms. Uh, Tringali, who, thank God, we don't hear as much now, uh, was tied 11th at um, the same event. Um, Grio, who's got uh, form here, was third behind Bradley. He was fifth at Sanderson. So there appears to be something there, and obviously Tringali uh, should have won that. Um, his fault in it is six and one, his fault in it form. Phoenix Mark, Phoenix uh, Open also links in with the likes of Ricky, et cetera, et cetera. And he was ninth at the Masters, um, which links in beautifully with people like Tiger, who won the first time here. Um, obviously, Decky, Masters winner. Um, Patrick Cantley, who I know this wasn't at this course, actually, it was in America, so it doesn't count. But he's a, obviously a major player, and Ke- Keegan Bradley is a major player. So the ceiling is unknown for Sahith Gala. He's now got the win. Do you know what's interesting about him is there's nothing that actually is outstanding about what he does. Not outstanding. He's just very good. Yeah. He's just a very, very good player who's now, I mean, you know, he came on tour and he looked like a world beater. It didn't quite work for him uh, three times in his first year, year and a half. Now he's done it. He's won his pairs with a fantastic iron display. Um, he won the Fortinet as he should have done and was very, very well back to 14 to 1. And I just think, given that event last year, why not? Why can't he be a top 10 player in the world? Um, And that's it. 20 to 1 is too big for me. Yeah, no, I agree with a lot of that. And I think it's interesting you put your point out the Masters thing. I was looking at this earlier, trying to find what limited trends you can find in a three-event, three-time event event where there's no strokes gain data or any real data at all. Um, And... It was the fact that Tiger won the Masters the same year he won this. Hideki won the Masters the same year he won this. And then Bradley won this and then went on had his second best finish at Augusta. Uh, and that was tied 23rd uh, this year, as opposed to the tied 22nd he'd had in 2015. So effectively, three players that have won here love Augusta or have shown to love Augusta around the time they won this. And, and to your point, I think you think about the fact that Hideki and Tiger had won that year and they'd won the Masters. Bradley had contended the week before when he was fifth. He'd been seventh at the US Open. He'd been second at the Wells Fargo that year. So I do think you've just got to have had someone who's been in the heat of the battle this year. And if it was at the Masters and a bonus. But when I looked at the 2023 Masters field, there wasn't really much you could choose from unless you were going with those three or four at the top of the market. So um, it was left with the gala. And I do agree. The, the only slight reservation I've got, and it is only a slight one, is that I guess he could, he could get pretty wild off the tee, is the is the concern, yeah. but it didn't seem to bother him last year. Yeah, so. it's, it's yeah, it's a, it's a as they as they progress, you hope that um, their game, you know, progresses in the same in the same way, and they, you know, I don't think it's it's impossible to to bomb it around here. It is a matter of whether it's wild. Yeah, and definitely. He ends up in the rough. It's very yeah. difficult. Japanese courses. Brad tells us every year. Um, Japanese courses are very difficult um, if you're playing from the rough all the time. Um, you have actually got two courses this week. I think, you know, are, are, you know, we'll really concentrate the mind. There's, there's going to be none of this virgin every single hole. Yeah. Um, but the, the, I, yeah, I just thought it, 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 it's, you know, I love correlative form. Yeah. Um, and everything he's done on, on courses that you might, again, exactly what you say, you might think don't particularly suit his game. He's been brilliant. You know, where he attacks, he attacks. I mean, he only lost Phoenix because. Um, well, he's got a dodgy bat. A Some dodgy bat in the there. water, yeah. Yeah, yeah, when he was attacking the pin. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, now he's got the win under his belt. Let's see how he progresses. Well, I think I've, I've always tried to stay away from this kind of, oh, now he's 1-1, one, one, the floodgates will open type thing. But I think if everything that's been said about Seath Gala is true, which so far in his early career suggests it might be, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't just happen immediately again or very early on next season or whatever. So, um yeah, I'm I'm happy to jump on there at 21 as well. Brad's gone with Cam Davis, who I must admit, when I when I saw the odds come out, I thought, how does this bloke still find himself in 20 and 22 to one uh, range? But 
when you look at what he's done over the last couple of starts, you can't really argue with it, can you? I mean, 10th, 7th, 6th, 40th, 3rd and 7th for his last uh, six starts. So I guess that's why he keeps finding himself in that 21 range. But it, I don't know. There's just something about Cam Davis. I can't quite get my my head around him winning. I know he obviously has done it, but 54 holes at the Fortnite, he was he was second and then finished third and then seventh last week. Got better every day to his credit. Um, so yeah, I, I guess he is in the same mould. I think of of the gala in the sense that the one concern you'd have is that he might drive it a little bit off the planet. But if they don't, then they're both going to be out there. I think. I hope so, don't we? Well, we'll absolutely find out. Won't we? Um, we talk about, well, I talked about with Matt just now on the on the drafting things about having these very American type players and being surprised that they can go and do it in Japan because they they don't seem like the most cultural people in the entire world. Might not travel so well. Um, Tom Hoagie for you, Jason. <laughs> I just think I think he potentially fits in that bracket, but. His, his form suggests that he could play well? No, oh, 17th and 9th here, last two years. Um, so he travels. Um, top 10 for approaches from 150 to 175 yards, which they're going to get here because it's whilst it's a short course. There's loads of par threes, which uh, elongates the others. Um, and I think he's in the top 50 of overall PGA for 175 to 200. So um, that equals what, round about 20th? between yeah. 150 and 200, which will work really, really well here. Um, Shriners form, uh, yeah, no, I'm, getting, I'm going correlative, that's what I do. Um, Shriners form's got a fourth, uh, seventh, 14th and 24th, 14th net, 12th and 36th. Um, we was with him last week, weren't we? Well, yeah. I was with him quite heavily yeah, we, last week. We all were. <laughs> uh, well, the entire golf Twitter was on, weren't they? Yeah. Um, following two really encouraging performances. 14th at Wentworth obviously suggests that he can play tree-line tracks, which is his. Uh, and then he played really, really well um, at the Samsung Farms, catching the eye until just not doing it quite on the Sunday. Everything about the game, the T-degree game, was absolutely spot on, which he'll really want here. Um, and and I, I can only think that his price has been shoved out five or so points because of that miscut at the Shriners. Yeah. He was 18th in approaches last week at Summerlin in the first round, which... You know, okay, he didn't make the burges that we wanted him, and he did the uh, particularly brilliant second round to get back into the game. Um, but he did completely lose it. And the point is, can you forgive one round, one round, um, and one performance in ten? And for me, yeah, you absolutely can. Um, I think he's got the the right form. Um, add to it if you want thirteen for Sanderson um, at Sony Open as well, which you can bring in. Um, he's got a third and a twelfth. I'm, I'm, I'm just, it, I, I don't go back just for the sake of going back. No. But I just think that it, it's, it's just ignore it. Just literally ignore the miscut last week. Um, he's playing well. He's, you know, like I said, nine rounds, he's played particularly well. One round, he's not, not done it particularly, you know, not done it well. And that's what we're looking at. And just forget it and uh, carry on. He's not a major contender a lot. I'm not, not going to pretend that he is. Um, but everything else about him suggests that he can definitely nick a place here. You know, if he's done what he's been doing um, the last couple of years, it's not going to take an awful lot of him to get in front of. You know, I'm looking at the people in front and, you know, I'm not, I mean, I'm not convinced about Fowler at all, to be honest with you. Um, Eric Cole, who's playing, you know, obviously fantastically well, yeah. um, but looks incredibly short to me. Um, and I, I just thought Hoagie looked, at, you know, aside of certain players, um, just looked too big. I, I don't think he should be there in the market. Yeah, I think when you when you look at him, like I'll name a few, like when he's by Svensson, Dietrich, Aaron Reich, he, I, I do think it's a big quite a course for Aaron Reich, but every time I think that it's not, so he's flattering to deceive. Like KH Lee's not done it for a little while. Like I don't I don't know that he's necessarily in the right place in the market. So yeah. It's interesting to see whether he bounces back straight away from that miscut, especially going to travel over from there. One person who I decide to ignore every time he has a good week at the moment because he just doesn't seem to follow up is Alex Noren. Um, Brad is not ignoring it. He thinks that Alex Noren's going to go and have another good week. I can absolutely see why. His ball striking numbers were great. 
last week, sixth in approach on tour tips and second in tee to green. So if he keeps anything like that up, Alex Noren, then we know he can travel back in his DP World Tour days. He was ninth after 54 holes here on his debut, finished 18th. Like, he's a great player in his day. I just, for me, every time I see Noren and think he's going to put two events together, he seems to struggle. But I suppose he finished 23rd at the Open, then finished 13th at the 3M to kind of quiet that theory a little bit. But yeah, I just find that he's, he's a little bit frustrating for me at the moment, Alex Noren. Yeah, definitely the potential to. For me, he's a bit like Matt Wallace and people like that. Um, well, interesting. He was another person I looked at, Matt Wallace. I thought, yeah, that makes sense. I thought it was interesting. Like he, like you look at his form. He's made what is it now? Nine, ten cuts in a row. Um, a lot of them were on the DP World Tour. And he 54 hole leader at the Czech Masters finishes second. As you mentioned, Todd Clements in the earlier one, he probably should have won that. Sixth at the Dunhill Links after 54 holes. Um, Obviously, he doesn't get to play a final round there. Like it, I think he's got a little bit about him. Wallace, and he finished fourth here on debut. It's just that he finished fourth here and then come back and finished 54th. It's almost the, the complete reverse to what you said about really improving on your performance. So it's, it's interesting to see what he does. Um, but the player that I've landed on in this range that absolutely infatuated with his chances, which means he'll probably, well, you can't miss the cut, which is the one promising thing. Um, but Cameron Champ, I just think he signposts wins so often he's had three of them already and it's never been kind of hidden that he's going to do it he was sixth after 54 holes at the Sanson Farms finishes ninth he was the 36th hole leader last week shot a Saturday 74 take himself out of it and then finish with a 65 you look at his one effort on debut last year he finished eighth went 69 67 64 69 great uh, figures for that uh 38 finished strokes going approach last week is, you know, nothing special, but it's solid enough for a player that I think has to deal with the fact that he's gained so much off the tee. That sort of skews his numbers a little bit. I just think with Champ, he's a little bit straighter than I think people expect because he's so long. Um, he gave a great interview about how he was basically letting himself off the hook a little bit more. And yeah, I think you talked about a distance thing earlier and that, that distance can help here. And whilst we, we don't want people to get wild off the tee, you look at the par fours, and they're either under 430 or over 480. There's no in-between. So he's either going to have a real good go at the shorter ones and leave himself a short wedge in, or he's going to you know, have an advantage over the longer par fours that others are really going to struggle on. So I love this course set up for Cameron Champ. Yeah, makes sense. I think I, I think I was on last year, I think. Yeah. This event. So, yeah, makes perfect sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, next one for me and Brad is Joel Damon. I was on Joel Damon in this event last year. Um, he was 140 to one then. He's now uh, probably 66 is best price with the seven places. But so almost half. But he's just playing really well. Tenth in strokes gain approach last week. Uh, third in tee to green. As you referenced earlier, when you were talking about people making a big jump, he was 76th on debut and then finished 16th last year. He was 68, 67, 66 for the first three rounds and then shot a 71 to tail off. I don't know if he just loves this time of year because he played really well this time of year as well last year, or whether he's just settled down because he had his first child, I think, this time last year. Like Maybe he's just had a year to kind of acclimatise to being a dad. I don't know how Donald's trying to second-guess these people. 10th for the Barracuda Championship. 13th and 7th his last two events, 13th at the Sanson Farm, 7th last week at the Shriners, where he started really slow with 72 and then 65, 64, 66 to finish. Um, he fits in that category of I don't know whether he can go and win a tournament in Japan, but he's playing well. So me and Brad are both going to take a chance on him. Uh, yeah, improved last time, 7th, 16th. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's not one for me, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, Two, two Japanese players to finish off for you, Jace? Yes, there is. Yeah, uh, both young. Both don't know how good they're going to be. Um, I'm rubbish at pronunciation. Um, let me, let me yeah, try. I'll go I'll go. Ryo Hitsasune. Um, he's now come into 80 to 1. Um, and then Keita Nakajima at the same price. Yeah, we'll do, uh, we'll do Ryo first then. Yeah. Um, who hopefully will come on for last week's uh, return to home. Um, obviously, you two, yourself and Brad, have been very, very keen in 
on the DP World Tour. Yeah. Um, been his first full year. Um, made it through Q School last year, and then uh, just a couple of weeks later, finished second in the Australian PGA, which is you know good enough form to to compete in in anything like this sort of um, field. Um, extremely accurate off the tee. Um, possibly one of the best in the field. I haven't actually looked that up to be honest with you, which is a bit naughty. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure he will be. Um, if if you're third at uh, Crans and you're sixth in France for driving accuracy, then then you're pretty accurate off the tee. Um, Green is putting in some fabulous stuff this year. Again, obviously he won France. He won it on the bridal. Um, found over ten shots over there, which is great. He was sixteenth Tita Green um, in Crans again. Um, and some of his, you know, some of his best form um, wins tournaments easily. I mean, he's won four tournaments. Um, is it four tournaments in total? I've lost my page now. Yeah, he's won four tournaments in total. Um, four shots, six shots, a shot and two. Um, so in three of those, he's never really seriously challenged. 12th here last year, finished with a 66 in 2021. Um to finish in uh, 52nd place, having sort of been lost for three rounds. And then he was eighth going into Sunday last year after 69, 67, 65. Now he's a winner. Um, I don't know how good he is. I've got no idea. Perhaps you two do. Um, pretty impossible to say. But I, I know it's hard for the for the home contingent to to beat the, the strong PGA Tour um, representatives, as it has been. You know, every single time they've held this event over here, it's only three times, but it's it's been difficult. But I think I, I think there's a couple of players there at least that that have the potential to be anything. And uh, hundred to one, or I think it's seventy five to one eight places I got. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm quite happy with something like that. To be honest, I think he's his degree game is perfect, and he and he has the advantage of the course suiting him, where it might not suit some of the bigger names. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was Rio or Raya. And Keita Nakajima, uh world number amateur world number one amateur for 138 years or something, <laughs> uh before uh, Ludwig Eberg. Um and we all know what Ludwig Eberg has gone up to do, and most of the world amateur number ones, they're they're all top, top grade. Um really difficult to know, obviously multiple multiple winner um in his career. Um I mean, it is purely down to where's his ceiling, and and he doesn't have one. He finished 35 places ahead of uh, Rio last week at the Japan Open. Um, he's got top threes, top fives everywhere in his home um, on his home tour. Greens in reg again, all over the place. Doesn't harm to to do that in Japan all the time because they can. As Brad tells us every year, can be really really difficult to uh, to find greens if you're uh, playing from the rough. Two, two outings here, 28th when he was an amateur, uh, 12th on his uh, professional debut here. I'm not sure if it was his professional debut altogether. It might have been. Um, it was. It was, it was well, his professional, it was his it was debut, professional was it? PJ Tour debut. Sorry. Well, there we are. You know, he's at 63 in the middle of his of his tournament. So he could be absolutely anything. Um, and he could, you know, he will be anything. It's just whether he does it this week. But you might as well do it on a, on a course and at home. Um, as anywhere else. I'm sure he's going to be coming over somewhere pretty soon. Um, yeah, why not? That was him, but really. It's, it's interesting. I will just say, sorry, I will just say, for for Rio, Rio, her name is Rio, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I will just say for him, if you do, if you are Tour Tips, um, you know, subscriber, um, then you will see that, that um, Stanley does tweet um, on his profile, he now lists the top the, the most important criteria that have had the most influence on winners over the last five years. Um, again, it'll be on his, on his tweet um, at golf stats. Um, but uh, the top ranked for the seven criteria um, heading the field is uh, Ryo Hesitouni. There you go. So, um, there we are. Not that it, not that it matters, but the, you know, everything he does is, is relevant. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think for me, when it comes to, Isatsune and Nakajima, like they're just the two Japanese players that you can pin your hat on. Like people want to look at the home contingent. People, th- I know you've always got. I'm, I'm excluding Matsuyama from that slightly because Matsuyama has been his circuit second and first, and he's been he's 16 to one. But like 
when you look at all the others, you, you've kind of had flashes of rounds and, you know, we know what Ishikawa is, we know what Takumi Kanai has been in the past and that sort of stuff. Like, we get all that. But, like, they've both factored in the top 12 and, you know, they've gone on to do better things since. And, you know, Nakajima hadn't won as a professional before he came here because he, he hadn't played much as a professional since he came here last year when he was 12. And he's won twice on the Japan Tour since then. Aisatsune, he's won on the DP World Tour. They're just different players from the fact they were 12th last year and as you said we saw how quickly Abo has gone on to it well I think Abo was slightly older than Nakajima even though he came uh, after him so it's you very quickly learn like we'll soon it's probably more important for Nakajima because like, at the moment Haisatsune is in the top 10 of those qualifiers on the DP World Tour for a PJ Tour card next year so as much as he would want to sew it up this week in his home he's probably going to get one unless something goes really wrong with the end of his season. Whereas Nakajima, I don't know where he's going to play unless he just keeps playing off invites and, and getting his kind of world ranking up with the with the Japan tour. So it might actually be, you know, motivation wise might be a big thing for Nakajima. Um, so plenty to unfold for that kind of home talent there. The other one I did look at that I've kind of breezed past a little bit in the betting. It was the same sort of price as Cameron Champ. Taylor Moore is 66 to one. Um, and he was a player that that had kicked on, hadn't he? He'd kicked on and then and then sort of fell away a little bit after after getting that kind of win. But he had a final round 63 at the Wyndham, 22nd. He had a fifth place finish at the St Jude, where he was second after 54 holes. And then you look at his effort last year, and talking about Nakajima and Haisatsuna, he finished 12th with those. Um, he had a second round 66 and a third round 65. So. I just wonder if Taylor Moore can now go and lift himself again after a big break from a slightly disappointing end to um, the FedEx Cup playoffs. I mean, he's 30 years old and he's he's won his first event at the Valspar earlier this year. Like, I think he could go on and kick on. So he might be of interest to me. And I think I'm getting closer to adding him in as we, as we talk here. So I think I'm probably done. Is that is that you done for any mentions at yeah. that? Yeah, I think otherwise you're just going to go and pick every player. There's only 78 of them, isn't there? So um, let's summarise our picks. I'll go back to um, the Andalusia Masters. Is it still called the Andalusia Masters? Yes, it is. Andalusia Masters. So we've got Nathan Kims here. I've got 45 to 1. Xander Lombard, 75 to 1. Matty Schmid, 80 to 1. Daniel Brown's now 90 to 1. Garcia Heredia at 200 to 1. Uh, Brad's picks in the event is Rasmus Hoygaard, Dan Bradbury and Todd Clements. Uh, Jace, your picks in the Andalusia Masters, please. Uh, Adrian Otegi, I'm pretty confident about. Um, Ewan Ferguson, Rizzo Zanotti and uh, top 20s for Dodo Molinari and Todd Clements. Yeah, and then in the Zozo, Brad's gone with Cam Davis at 22 to 1, Alex Noren at 45 to 1. And Joel Damon, whose price I can't find anymore. It's anywhere between sort of 70 and 66 to 1, depending on the places that you want. We'll go with uh, 66, 7 places for the sake of the podcast. Uh, I'm joining you with Sahith Fagala, 20 to 1, 7 places. Um, I'm also going on Cameron Champ at 60 to 1, 6 places. Joel Damon, 66 to 1, 7 places, I just said. I'm going to go with Taylor Moore in that same range, 66 to 1, 7 places. Um, as well, and Jason, your picks for the Zozo. Yeah, I'll join you with Sir Heathy Gala, there you go. Uh, Tom Hoagie, uh, Ryo, and Nakajima. There you go. Um, yeah, I've definitely Ryo was the one for me that I've potentially left off there in favour of, of adding Taylor Moore in, but um, the more I look at it, I just, I just think Taylor Moore might have a might have something to him um, in this event. So yeah, I think that's it. I think that's a uh, a summary of a 78-man field and a and a course over in Spain that we don't know what to expect just yet. But hopefully, Chase, this is the first year of, of a course that we we grow to love over the few. I'm guessing it's got a long-term agreement now. Valderrama has gone. Uh, but who knows these days? With the I, I guess it, it depends on. Um, you know, we, we keep losing Valderrama, so we read it for the Volvo World, and then it was brilliant, and then we lost it again, and then it came back, and the unfortunately treatment last year. Yeah, that, um, they buggered off to live for quite a lot of money. I don't know. Yeah, well, we haven't got uh, we've got the 
Worldwide Technology Championship coming up in a couple of weeks on the PJ Tour that's not at Mike Ober as well. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, oh, yeah. So that, we've got no PJ Tour event next week, and then it's the it's the Mexico tournament without uh, Mike Ober. So um, lots of new golf to get used to. But yeah, who knows what what sort of Grande is going to show us in the future? We'll find out on Thursday at seven o'clock in the morning when we're all cursing our bets. But um, Chase, I think that's it. Um, probably a little bit longer than we expected to talk about those tournaments but we're here now we did it and uh hopefully we've got a winner after all that i'll try and keep it shorter next time Tom. <laughs> no it's, it's definitely both of us we do like to talk golf when we get together so um good luck this week and i shall catch up with you during the weekend if our golf bets look like we could win 